This is not a recruitment podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Powered by People podcast. Um, I am fortunate enough to be joined by uh, two automation experts, shall we say. <laughs> um, so uh, I'm joined again by Ben, Director of Brand Experience at the Red Hub, and James Gardner. Um, I'll let James introduce himself. Hey, Harry. Hey, Ben. Um, many thanks for the invite. Um, currently, I'm Head of Talent for Distributed. Uh, we are a private talent cloud. Um, to give it a bit of understanding what a private talent cloud is, um, what we actually are is a engineering digital transformation organization. Yep. But we resource our project teams from a highly agile talent cloud that's made up of contract. So we have now about close to 2,000 individuals who are part of our private talent cloud, and we resource the individuals we need on those projects from that private talent cloud. Amazing. Well, it means that what you're actually giving to the enterprise kind of client is the agility to quickly deploy turnaround teams, parachute teams, delivery teams that can quickly get their projects back on track whilst they're not having that massive overhead of having FTEs sitting there. So they can very easily judge their project costs and return on investment. Sounds like what we do for talent. <laughs> it's not dissimilar. I mean, in many respects, if you look at the way the embedded solution for talent were yep. going into, into, into enterprise, we deploy teams exactly the same. But in software. Uh, but it's software development, digital transformation. I mean, it's, it's mainly for sprint projects, right? It's kind of getting it out, or do you have, um, is it longer term? Well, it depends on your time. Um, some get hooked. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. None should get hooked. Um, and the reality is some projects are just what we call monitored, which is augmentation of current teams that are in existence. They're just adding more bodies. Yep. Some we are managed, so we're completely responsible from soup to nuts for the outcome of the project. Oh, okay. So with that classic, what I'd call consultancy, we've be pushed out the likes of Deloitte, BCG, yep. Accenture, but we're far more boutique and agile in the way to approach it. And specialist. Because obviously, you know, those guys do lots of a variety of different yeah. projects, but you're obviously specialised in that sense. Interesting. And, you know, we've obviously had a number of conversations, James, about uh, we're going to talk a lot about marketing automation and how you've sort of replicated that typical sales marketing mm -hmm. funnel, but for talent. Um, but just some of the highlights of, of what you've done in terms of results. Yeah. Because obviously when you started... Your your goal is to create the largest form of the largest talent pool possible, so that you can well the largest and most skilled. So I mean, if you think about talent clouds, you have Upwork, for example, who I'm sure you're mm -hmm. aware of. That's a public talent cloud. Okay. So Upwork, anyone can go onto there. It's that gig economy of employment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You go in there to see if you can get two hours, three hours, four hours of work. Yeah. Um, Fiverr, very similar. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Using yeah, yeah. I mean, you may have come across Turing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Our example. So what we're actually focused on is providing freelancers careers. So our aim is to always be on projects for them and have them rotate on and off to different projects. But we've had guys who've been with us for three years just going on to different projects. Right, okay. Uh, but our aim is always to get each of our individuals at least nine months' work of paid employment. And do you, do you have oh, exclusivity over that talent or can they... No, we don't have any exclusivity. Right, so they can still freelance oh, yeah. if they need to. Uh, they're not waiting around Yeah. kind of... Quick, come on, guys. Where's my where's my cold roll? Um, so your your one of your promises to the talent is we're aiming to get you at least nine months worth of work in a twelve month period. Um, yes, but I mean it, it can be roll on, roll off. Of course, okay. but um, if you're uh, let's look at one of the real driving forces that are in terms of enterprise kind of um, projects at the moment, it's all cost reduction. Yes, because I mean we've gone through a very heady heights of a really strong market. Yeah, let's just say we've fallen off a precipice. <laughs> it's tough. Oh, have we? Have <laughs> noticed. <laughs> so, enterprise at the moment. Biggest call out is reduced cost by 25%. Yeah. And yes, if you look at it, if the overall cost of a contractor can be 
increase the, to an FTE. Yep. But what you're actually driving is a far more effective and efficient ratio about driving your project. Yep. Because you're bringing them on, deploying them for a length of project, and then exiting them out. Yep. So, for example, we have a huge contingent of individuals based over in Africa, some really, really talented devs who are yep. there, really talented. And what you can actually secure then for that client is margin arbitrage because obviously you've got a UK equivalent is mm -hmm. likely to be X percentage more yep. than the equivalent in Africa. Yep. But you're driving a massive cost saving. Mm -hmm. And from our perspective, because all of our individuals before they can become part of our talent cloud, they are automatically vetted. So they have to go through a development test. They have to go through an English language test, mm -hmm. which is part of the tech stack that I've built. Um, so we know the level of quality we've gotten. Yes, they are interviewed again pre-submission to client but what we're aiming to do is for the client to be able to give us okay we have this project we'll scope the project we'll do the discovery phase we'll understand what resources are required and then we've just got a team sheet yeah yeah yeah. people in and i think that's been that's been a learn for, for us i think in terms of obviously very similar deployment model in that um while we were obviously we we're at very different points business-wise but while we were growing um a lot of our partners that we were working with wanted to interview our talent partners yeah and um, because obviously we were still establishing our brand in the market and still establishing mm. our delivery model and kind of our quality of delivery so i guess you must get to a point when as an organization you are just trusted to yeah. deliver people yeah. know that the distributed teams they it doesn't, excel, they deliver. doesn't matter who's going on it you, you kind of sell on strength of brand and reputation rather than individual yes yeah, so i mean if you look at our evolution and I've only been in the business now for just over a year, but the evolution of the organization came from best described um, our CEO, uh, Cal Adamson. Um, so Cal has kind of moved to pastures new within the organization because what he's fantastic at, he's a really kind of that evangelical piece about the remote worker, yep. the elastic team as we call it. Yep. Um, but the reality is, is that we got a huge investment from beating. We have one of the biggest contracts with BT multi-million pound, they invested in us because they saw the beauty of what we could do. So at the moment, we're deploying people left, right, and center into BT. And what we've done is replicate that with other kind of enterprise-level clients. And that's, so as an evolution, we kind of missed out the classic growth of going through SME, LMB, then going to enterprise. We were kind of a loose conglomerate with SME and then jumped straight away to enterprise. Yeah. So it's been a really exciting journey. Yeah. Uh, but what it's all been about is scaling the community that we've got. Yeah. Um, so when I came on board, uh, since I've come on board, I've, what, X7, X8, the size of the community. Amazing. By putting in that automation, putting in that, what I call low touch, no touch, drive, gravitational pull of individuals to want to come and be part of our community. And that's all about. Low touch, no touch, gravitational pulse. We need to copy that. Copy some of these, uh, these some of them. Yeah. Um, as you know, Ben, it's all about recognition, awareness, shot window. Of course. And if you can create that gravitational pull, people will come to you. And we know we diminish the cost of attraction because we have to those strategies. And then also you've got, so you're, you're sort of using your employer brand, all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. To create the attraction. And then you've got your sort of marketing, your, your your recruitment automation funnel for that low touch, no touch, getting people into, yeah. getting qualified people into. I mean, I would have done that, but I mean, I, I will be the first to say we've got a, we've got a long way to go on our employer branding. Yeah, okay. um, it's not that we have a poor employer brand; we just don't have, and it's not amplified. Yeah, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of kind of projects and strategies that I've been putting in place to to drive that forward. Um, I think the what I mean by low touch, no touch is ensuring that we're using automation to drive attraction strategies by providing content and collateral to the right targets mm -hmm. so that they automatically bring themselves into the community. Yep. So that reduces the, well, increases the efficiency of my TA team mm -hmm. and reduces, hopefully, <laughs> the cost of attraction strategy. Because yep. you're automating it, you're doing it at scale. Because without the automation, there's a recruiter on the end, yeah. right? And I mean, we've still got recruiters, um, without a shadow of a doubt, um, but we have our automation strategy to support always, them. Always on. 
always on. Yeah. We've got the TA specialists who are there to, if we need an abundance of a particular skill set, yep. we can drive strategies and automation to bring people in automatically. Then we also have attraction strategies, mm -hmm. the classic kind of outreach, LinkedIn, advertising. So, so I guess it's kind of a, um, a bit of, you guys must operate in a bit of a, a hybrid of building your EVP. It's a kind of hybrid of an EVP or a big community. You yep. obviously mentioned community a couple of times. Obviously, you, your big kind of cloud, you obviously don't count those as employees. They're part of your wider community, right? So yep. you've, I guess you've got to nurture that EVP internally and protect the distributed team but at the same time constantly feed that community with frequent relevant kind of topical bits to keep them entertained and engaged and feel yeah feel part think, of something right I mean, ben i think engaged is the biggest word you've hit upon that um we have again as part of my but not my tech stack this comes into the community piece um we have a platform called hybrid which is fantastic as a community platform. It allows us to engage with them. It allows us to push out messages. For example, we, we it's not optimized yet, but we've tried to create what I call a gamification approach with it, that we have teams in BT who have their own kind of, uh, what you call profile page in Hybrid. So they have little challenges and competitions against other teams. Yeah. So you've, and they nickname their team, so an A team, uh, I can't remember some of the different ones, but it's it's all about kind of driving that engagement and making sure that every member in the community we have understands that there are the benefits of being part of our community outweigh the benefits of being that lone wolf contract. Yeah, hundred percent. I think we very similar for us, and that obviously our focus is is internal, and we um we like to to use the phrase belonging quite yeah. a lot. Mm -hmm. I think if you feel like you belong in an organization or in a community, then your commitment to that community or that organization or that brand, it's gonna it's going to be stronger, right? And yeah. you're going to yeah. be more coming back to engage, you're going to be more engaged with something if you feel like you belong there. And one hundred percent if you feel like you belong to, as part of a community, you're engaging as part of that community, you're also then gonna be you're gonna be increasing the attraction, right? So you're gonna you know, most software developers have probably got a network of friends and and previous colleagues or current colleagues that are software developers. And so if they enjoy, they're engaged, they feel a, a sense of belonging, the likelihood is they're gonna be bringing their friends along to that community, right? Yeah, I mean, one of the things we run, and this is kind of, I think, testament to the engagement level, not of all, I'm not gonna say mm. we've got 100% engagement, we don't. Um, some use us just as another channel to gain opportunity of employment. Cool. Yeah. Some are hugely engaged, we run challenges, so we've just done a reskin of our website okay. and the way we did that was to put out a challenge to people oh really you know, nice cheap website <laughs> yeah. and they they came back and just with a very i mean it's a very quick show us what you can do yeah but then we had the challenge but okay yeah we'll go with this guy it'll be great amazing yeah that's, 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 a, that's a great idea and i guess those those guys immediately if we tried that would have terrible terrible websites from our ta partners <laughs> that's like me trying to do us i mean i suppose one of the things thinking about kind of the, the industry that you guys are in i think it's like any under any industry such as ours there's, there's kind of the good the bad the ugly um i've had very different experiences with differing in kind of embedded talent solutions yeah um and it, i think it depends who you work with Oh, for sure, yeah. As yeah. Well as that. But it is, in essence, that ability to parachute in what you might call a special operations team to get things moving, turn things around, make them happen. Yeah. And it's, it's just obviously a different environment. Well, 100%. That, that tap on, tap off mentality. Yeah. That's, we, we're seeing that kind of seep. You used to call it like the, ne the Netflix of recruitment or the Netflix <laughs> of whatever, right? Because you had flexibility and I guess you've got freedom of choice. Yeah. Um, but now I feel like that's kind of been replaced with tap on tap off but now that is vital to modern businesses right the the highs and lows and the peaks and troughs particularly within tech and tech environments at the moment you look at kind of the, the big tech and the mega tech and we've discussed this numerous times on the, these podcasts but the fluctuations in headcount are wild it, but it must be the same with death yeah. right? and i think that there's been a, a, a dramatic and permanent change in the last six to 12 months in how businesses really are going to run in the sense that these dramatic, you know, companies have just been scaling and growing so aggressively too, you know, too much really and not sustainably. And we've seen that sort of a uh, correction, should we say, over the last few months. 
and now there's going to be I, I do believe there's going to be a move towards a more sustainable way of, of managing businesses in that sense where you can't just keep hiring lots of people however you will have peaks and troughs throughout the throughout the year and, and that's where businesses like ours are, are there to support you know so that you can you can you don't necessarily have to because if you keep hiring and firing at that only de is detrimental to your brand to your yes. brand image yeah. um so yeah that's where sort of that contingent workforce is able to step in right but i think it's uh, i mean one of the things that i've seen happen at enterprise level at the moment is you used to have your contingent workforce your permanent workforce and what i'm now seeing is more a total talent approach yep, yep. so um, one of our clients, for example, has specifically called out that 25% of their workforce needs to be agile, so needs to be based. Oh, really? Yeah. Who are they, exactly? But the reality is that, I mean, I think if you look at how enterprise-level organizations have worked in the past, um, you, you've got your CapEx budget, you've got your OpEx budget. Yep. You know if you do an, if it's an FTE, it's sitting on a CapEx budget, it's very visible. Yeah. So even though the contract cost is in, in reality going to be higher than the fully loaded FTE, you don't hire an FTE, you put it on your OPEX budget and you hire a contractor. Yeah. You can hide that one. <laughs> but, yeah. but also it depends on the actual project. Like you say, if, you, if, you're, if you've got businesses that you're working with that have project work, hiring an FTE could actually be more expensive, it, depending on the longevity of that project and, and the scope of it. So that it really does depend, right? There's going to be there's going to be cost saving there in in some instances. Yeah, I mean, it's looking at um, so if we look at how most organisations look at resource planning, um, they will look at a project, they'll look at a budget, and they'll look at a number of heads. Yeah, just think about heads. What we're trying to readdress is to look at projects in terms of outcomes mm -hmm. and actually, okay, can we reduce our resource level? Maybe they're a little bit more expensive as individuals, but do we reduce our resource level and then can we drive a faster and more effective outcome because yeah. the level we're hiring and involved with the project is a level of quality. Yeah. Um, so it's really readdressing that point. And it, in some respects, that pivot is quite difficult for large enterprise mm. because they, they, they can only function on kind of looking at a project about, okay, it will cost us X and that will give us X amount of heads that we need. Um, what we do in terms of our managed projects is really go in there, rescope it for them, and actually say, okay, um, what you meet, we might want to do is look at phasing of your project. You don't actually need all, all of this stuff. Yeah, yeah that's very true. You're scoping. You need your BAs. You need, you need your solutions architects. So what you can do with our resources is you can phase and what I'd call, as I say, tap on, tap off for what's required at that particular phase in the project. Yeah. So overall even though our... It's a more efficient yeah. way of managing projects. And our investment is definitely... I mean, that's been... I was just going to say, that's been our our experience. We've got a shared client in BT. Um, yeah. Yeah. We work quite a lot with BT, and our experience has been very similar with those guys in that there might be a, a spike in tech hires needed or dev. So mm -hmm. we'll add on another tech recruiter, and then a couple of months later, that might come off, and then go to market need to need to look. So then another kind of specialism or specialist will go on there to to see that so we kind of you're just reacting to the trends and the needs of the organization rather than locking them into some long-term commitment which probably isn't going to drive the most effective output yeah i mean strange i mean we talk about the tech market and if we go back 18 months two years as we were discussing earlier the the, the tech market was just crazy yeah i mean yeah. we're seeing increases in terms of let's call it base salary costs that would oh my god some 20 30 percent yeah. not even quarter on quarter it was unbelievable um, I think we've had a bit of a readdress on uh, absolute correction, uh, both in the TA scene and in the tech scene, yeah. right? I mean, TAs, wow. <laughs> yeah, tech hires oh, okay. suddenly just went uh, whack. And there was a Aussie stat, wasn't there? Yeah, that you were going to say about more TA people were in more demand than. Yeah, so there was there was yeah. more jobs live for TA for talent acquisition partners than there were the jobs that they were looking for. Yeah, it was crazy. When at and three years' experience equaled an insane base salary. Yeah wild yeah yeah um and that obviously that's sort of correcting itself it. and but i mean there's still a tech deficit uh, i can't remember the exact number cal something like lad it in later <laughs> globally there's something like 
13 million individual tech deaths. Right, okay. Huge, huge. So, uh, I mean, one of the approaches that we're looking at is to enable those consultant resource to be able to pick what project they work on, manage their lifestyle, be able to be interesting in a pro- interested in a project, know that they come out can come out of a role and they go back into a role but not have that level of risk they yeah. definitely do because they're not having to go and kind of market. There's a whole, I know we, we will get to marketing automation at one point um, and uh, and we will talk about your, your tech stacks. I think that's really interesting. But just while we're talking about contingent workforce, I think there's a whole other element, which is, you you know, you, t- you don't have to worry about keeping them happy. Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry about, you know, the, the benefits, the, you know, like the development, the career paths, the, you know, all of these other uh, sort of hidden costs to an employee. Um, go, so I'm up for it. One of, one of the major pieces that we're looking at is benefits to, to contract. If you want to drive the most efficient and best response from your workforce, be it contingent, be it FTE, whatever it is, we are always pushing, even on monitored, for our clients to treat our consultants in exactly the same way they treat them. Don't tell the government that. <laughs> IR35 <laughs> IR35 might have something to say. It's more involved in kind of the value system. Yeah, get involved from a cultural perspective. So they're not... Um, treated as nets. I've heard some wild rumours of companies in like Germany. I can't remember the exact what their uh, equivalent of IR35 is, but th- their contractors are on a separate floor with no printers. Because, you know, even if they have access to a printer, they could be considered an employee. That's an employee's benefit. Yep. You're not allowed that. Um, I, we don't do too much. We don't get too involved in, in that contracting world. Um, for it to for it to be a problem for us, um, so I just assumed that you know for the majority, you you would have some levels that you're not. Yeah, I mean there's levels, but um, if you consider that majority of our projects are managed, um, yeah. So we're taking responsibility suit to not outcome. So, so you cover your IR thirty five is covered in that sense, absolutely. And also, if you consider the IR thirty five piece on monitored. If they've got the deliverables that are in there in terms of the scope of work, then so they're, they're absolutely covered. They're just delivering that piece of work, but we can have a coffee and a chat and go for a beer now and then. Exactly. Yeah. If they're in the same. Yeah. Yeah. True. Yeah. Because literally, we've got guys in Nigeria. We've got guys. Well, we've got guys in a lot of Africa's good because it's the same time zone, isn't yep. it? Almost, almost identical. And some great time. It's an underutilized. So, if, I mean, if you think there's lots of organizations are now recognizing the talent at six weeks. Oh, massively. I mean, there's a huge TA scene there as well, right? Yeah. And the reality is, is we're starting to lose that margin. Yeah. Yeah. We're a valuable resource. Yeah. But even from a dev perspective, you've got great communication skills, obviously, and you've got some great technical skills. Uh, I mean, even going Egypt, we've got some great guys. We've got some superb guys um, sitting in. Oh, where do I want to say? A couple of shapes. Off. It'll come. <laughs> uh, but it's even if we consider the, uh, the European market. If you Israel, there's an amazing, there's an amazing tech tech scene, tech hub in Israel. Yeah, a lot of stuff. Lots of startup investment. Yeah. yeah, but even from our European. So we have alignment in terms of our, what you might call onshore, nearshore, offshore. Yeah, yeah. And nearshore is European, but we're very much centralised towards Central and Eastern European. Okay. And some of the tech talent out there is absolutely Wild, yeah. really is. And if you consider Poland, for example, whenever you talk to an enterprise guy to about Eastern Europe, they go, oh, Poland, mm. because Google's gone. Oh, meant as loads. So the market's actually relatively saturated in Poland. You actually struggle to get tech Good, capability because yeah. it's yeah. saturated. So you're going to the likes of Serbia, Romania, Estonia. There's some really, ta- there's some great talent. Yeah, yeah, it's very interesting. So let's let's head back to marketing automation. Um, tell us a little bit about some of the changes you've made since joining Distributed, and and sort of where your tech stacks, how your tech stack sits now. So I know we we've had conversations yeah. about using Candid ID. Yeah. 
who was bought by iSIMS. Yeah. Um, but uh, is that still part of your tech stack? And how does that look now? It's not. Well, let me let me give you some context yeah. and background. So, um, as I said, distributed hasn't gone through a, a it's gone through quite a strange evolution organization. So, the way it started off was growing the community was based around going out to market in the traditional TA approach to bring people into the community to go straight onto a project. Yep. And there was a very clear call prior to my joining that um, what we needed to do would be able to scale that community at pace. Mm -hmm. And if you consider, okay, we want to, scale, to keep up with the projects that were coming uh, through. Projects, but also, if you, uh, for want of a better phrase, have a bench. Mm, have everyone work because we're suddenly getting a load of work coming through. Yeah. We can't deliver to our resource expectation SLA. Yeah. So with our clients, for example, with BT, we've got SLAs that sit around five days um, simply because we can deploy them from the community. Yeah. Um, and where we were, we had a massive risk profile around not being able to deliver to our clients. Mm -hmm. So the view was, how can we at pace scale that, that community? Prior to my joining, the, the approach was still that traditional TA approach. You advertised on LinkedIn, you used LinkedIn in mail, you approached people and you pushed them through the community. You pushed them into the community by doing a TA interview, first of all, then one of our tech leads would interview them. They'd then become a member of the community. Yep. Well, a member of what we call the academy. And then you become an E-team member, a last team crew of the community. And to do that to scale, we were looking at, we were probably about, what, 250 when I joined. We wanted to be at least 1,000 by the end of the year. And that gave us, we, I understand they'd take about two years to get to 250. And we were now July, so we had six months to X for it. Well, which okay. was quite crazy. Um, so w my approach was say, okay, how do we automate this? How do we create gravitational pull? How do we want people to become part of our organization? And w what I looked at was the way customer acquisition works. So you have a classic customer acquisition funnel. You've got like that, likes of HubSpot, Pardo, Marketo. And they kind of, over the last 20 years, you've got a performance marketing approach. Mm -hmm. So you've got a funnel whereby you are pushing out content and collateral mm -hmm. to target individual. So you're not actually using lots of time with your sales individual. Yep. You're drawing, you're automating that level of interest. And if I consider from a TA perspective to X for it, I would have had to grow my team from three and it was then to probably 30. Yeah. If they were going to hit a thousand, obviously that's just not cost effective. You can't do that. No. Yeah. Um, we would have given you a great rate on well, have, yeah. have another like huge discounts. Yeah. Yeah. Huge discounts. Performance based. Well, you. So, looking the way customer acquisition works, they are obviously having an automated, what you might call, cadence of collateral and understanding. So, they're building awareness, they're building recognition at all times. And the way that that works is you've got the top of the funnel touch points that are pushing those customers down towards the bottom of the funnel where they become an MQL, a marketing qualified. Mm -hmm. Simple as that. So those, those different assets are providing information to that audience around the company, what it stands for, what the benefits are, what they can deliver, what they're offering to market is. And if you imagine the traditional web sales, and if we go right back, here's the, here's the yellow pages, start working through them. Every SDR is sitting there starting the story from the beginning. And we all know that with an SDR, when you get phoned up as a prospective client, you're not going to listen to a half an hour pitch and a brilliant top bite straight away. Good. Fantastic. Never happens. <clears throat> so it's a longer term relationship. So I looked at that and said, okay, well, why in TA are we expecting to send an email, make a phone call, and for someone to go, brilliant, I'll do that straight away. Where do I sign? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Surely we should be looking at building longer-term relationships. Really point mission here. A way ahead of many people are doing it. No, because I mean, the, the old way, if you consider it, that you had to hit the nail on the head when you sent that LinkedIn message or made that phone call when the individual was annoyed with his manager. He was annoyed he wasn't getting paid that money. Yeah, exactly. He wasn't going Christmas. We had some time to yeah. think about life over Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but if you don't hit them at that point, the reality is with most TA functions, that will then be forgotten about. It goes into the wind, you get your new 
target from LinkedIn and you start that project. Of course. So why are we not continuing that? Why are we not trying to build that relationship over a longer term period? So if we're going back to the customer acquisition fund, if you imagine the assets that are getting pushed out, the contacts, someone starts to read them. Someone starts to get interested. So they get given a points law. They're opening that asset scoring. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And that drives them down to the bottom of the funnel in terms of customer acquisition. They then become a marketing qualified lead. That goes over to the SDR team. The SDR team contacts them and 40% of their initial conversation is done because that possible customer has an element of interest because they've read all of the content, they understand the collateral, they know what the... In old terms, is. you'd call them a warmer lead, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <clears throat> so you're then actually focusing your human capital time, which is the most expensive, on leads that all... Yeah. Because you know that they've read something, so God, they've got to have a level of interest. Yeah. So I then said, okay, how do we do that in talent acquisition? So from my perspective, it's slightly different. I'm looking to build a community. I'm yeah. looking to hire FTEs, but it works the same. It works the same. It's, it's diff it is potentially difficult to replicate um, for startups and things like that, um, who are, I need, you know, three Java developers and then I'm done. Yes, exactly. Um, whereas you're looking at consistently and, co you know, continuously building, but it absolutely works at enterprise level, right? Okay. There, there are so many businesses yeah. that are, are hiring the same uh, the same kind of role uh, time and time again. But it's not even, it's not even thinking about hiring. So I use the kind of adage of, if you go back kind of 10, 15 years, we're all, everyone asks, oh, do we have a talent pool? Your clients, we do have a talent pool. What, so you're asking me, do we have 20 people who are just sitting, waiting to get a job with you? No. no. <laughs> was that? We don't. We have people that we know from relationship who can have the skill set for you whether they're available at this point is a different matter. Yep. So we've all got LinkedIn. Yeah. We've got half, yeah. a, half, a, half a billion people on LinkedIn. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, there's the talent pool. Yeah, exactly. Um, so the reality is, and especially if you think about devs, your talent pool's old three hours later. Yeah. Because yeah. people have got roles. So it's just not a realistic comment. So what we then, I then kind of thought about was, okay, how do we make that talent pool not necessarily fully engaged, but more engaged, more effective? So the ideal was then to identify our targets. So we would have first name, last name, email. We would push them out through the automated approach, which was sending them um, different points of assets, collateral about distributed, about the benefits of being part of us. And depending on their decision, did they open this piece of content? Yes, they did give them the points. Yeah. Did they decide to go and open this piece? Okay, this takes them on a slightly different customer journey. So you, depending on what the call to action is, they then get sent on a slightly different customer journey, which is more attuned to what they are interested in. Yep. Yeah. But the whole idea, and with every asset that we've got all the way down, and most of our customer journeys were relatively simple hmm. um, compared to kind of customer acquisition. But we will maybe have six stages. So an in email going out once every three or four days. So it takes about 18 days to go through a, a campaign. And at each point, from the action that that individual would be given a score what you're actually hoping because the link was in all of the assets was to go straight to kind of our landing page and that drove them into what initially was a manual approach so i implemented at that point a technical dev test called go called codility might come yeah, yeah we now use codabyte um but that allowed us to okay let's let's test them how good a dev are they and we would have a pass mark that you have to pass to become a member of the community. If you pass that, you were then pushed through to immersion. Immersion is an English language test because we're obviously looking at a lot of remote. Yep. If they didn't pass, would it push through to another process? Or if they didn't pass, they, the ideal was that they would be pushed into a different bin manager. Just pinned. What is there? More learning. Yeah, okay, cool. We, we can't be responsible for their learning. Absolutely. Push them towards, okay. Um, come back in six months. Yes. Here's some learning stuff. Come back in six months. Kind well, of thing. We can't be responsible. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So um, I suppose, yes, we tried to instigate a level of retargeting. Yep. But was it a seamless, smooth approach? No. No, okay, yeah. For and in all honesty, um, when we first kicked this off, what looked like this perfect, automated, seamless approach to the external community member 
was actually my team yeah. sitting in the behind, sending out manual tests like that. And they would, someone will request a test, they'll jump over to Codabyte, they'll find the email, send them the test. They all thought it was automated. It was. Now it is. Oh, amazing. So what we've now got is you actually we've got a, a new, what you might call landing page, which we call engineer. So individuals hit engineer, they've got data to put into that. That automatically allows them to click on the Codabyte testing, click on the immersion testing. Once they've passed that, they're then pushed through into our academy. So it, And that's when they'll speak to a talent partner of sorts? No, they don't speak to a talent partner at all. They've gone through the automated route. Wow. So how is it? No touch, low touch. That that's what how we can drive the cost efficiencies. That's no touch, no touch. Yeah. No touch, no touch. We have an other other route, so that's if you want to call it the CRM route. We then also have more traditional routes which are advertising. Yeah. So they respond to an advert, they go into our ATS, my my TA team looks at them yep. and finds out, yeah, you're quite good. Okay, we'll push you through into the testing. Or we've then got also um doing attractional strategies through outreach so if we know that we can see a specific project coming down the line and we go okay we don't have an abundance of x skill set yeah we need to go to market and build up the fraternity in the community around that skill set yep and because we are getting a level of success is probably the best way to put it i mean i think last year we grew by about 300 percent. wow yeah it's big um we're now having requests from enterprise clients that don't actually fit with our community skills. Like you, you're able to quite quickly adapt and build that community in order to. Uh, now it's interesting. I mean, the, the only kind of hurdle that we've got is okay. How do we create a um, fast and seamless vetting procedure? So if it's, I mean, with, with BAs, PMs, okay, how do we do that? There's no, there's no coding. Exact, and it's the same for you know if you if you're doing recruitment. For sales, or yeah, for you know the corporate corporate roles across legal and uh, you know back office functions, there's no like, there's no automated sequencing that we can put these people through. No, there's not. I mean, also we've got um, the ad business side. Of, yeah, uh, we've got the advent of chat as well, ChatGPT. Yeah, we. Let's be honest. At the moment, um, you put a codebyte test to them. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, we've got to have consideration around that. I mean, These companies like Codility, Codabyte, they, they are coming up with ways to yeah. anti-AI, basically, yeah. aren't they? Like they can tell what's been, what, which tests have used AI to... Problem that they have. By using AI. Yeah. Or can use yeah. yeah. But the problem that they've got, actually, is if you have kind of just two screens open and you do it on one, because what they're looking for is the time it takes someone to do it. Yeah. So if you're a reasonable dad, you should just clock on and go, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, so what they're looking for is the time it takes for the individual to do it and how quickly the um, characters are deployed. Yeah. Like, so then you can't copy and paste. So if they're getting deployed later, yeah. it's likely that they're potentially... Well, no, if they're getting deployed in sequence, it's likely that they're... Ah, okay. They're, they're using... Yeah. A, yeah. If they're just getting a copy and paste done, then it's AI yeah. or so some form of plagiarism. Yeah, it's going to become far more difficult. Really? Yeah. I mean, we're very well aware of it. Um, so pre-submission to client, we then have one of our leads, whether it's a BA lead, a PM lead, a tech lead, to do an interview before we submit them to client. Yeah. Just to make sure. But I mean, if we think about the added capability that we provide as an organization, it's not just deploying that skill set, it's deploying project management governance. Absolutely, yeah. So, I mean, we, we can very safely say there's a scoring the BTs, Blue Optima, and we are, at the moment, I can't remember the exact score, but I know we are way and above other third-party suppliers, yeah. which is up with one, one of our big calling cards. But the only way we've managed to do that is to be able to create the volume at the top of the funnel in the talent that we can then, if you really want, if you want to call it, sift out the absolute top talent to yep. bring them into community. Was that, that quality drive has always been on. Um, I wouldn't say our, our, it's our point of differentiation. Yep. Yes, we've often been told you're you're quite expensive. Yeah, we are, because we're quality. Yeah. Um, don't view us as a an alternate recruitment channel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how we want to work with us. That, that's what we do. Yeah. yeah. What we do is understand the outcomes that you need. And give you Deliver them. 
that'll give you a faster pathway to that. Yeah. Even if we're doing it on a monitor basis. So I guess, uh, quick one from me, so obviously we discussed the, the acquisition and the building of that community. As we know, that's only kind of 50% of the job. Yes. Once they're on board and part of the community, the nurturing has to the mm -hmm. kick in, right? Because you don't want someone to, to sign up or, or join or kind of pass all their tests and then they go missing because you're not nurturing or engaging with that community. So is the the kind of nurture side of, of things, is that just as automated as the acquisition? Um, it is to a certain extent. I go back to Hybrite that I mentioned. So yeah. Hybrite is where our community lives. Um, so a lot of that yes it's automated in terms of messaging that we can push out etc etc yeah. but we also have a community team that doesn't sit under myself um which is focused on okay how do we drive engagement how do we um to do like events and things like that um we have done previously we were funny enough uh, we were at a community event a couple of weeks ago oh, nice. uh, took took a load of people out bowling yeah yeah had yeah. a great time yeah. got some very good MPS scores yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Always send you engagement survey after an yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, how to put this? Because we are so dispersed, we're distributed. That that's yep. the comment in the aid. Yeah, it's really difficult. We're, we're the same. Yeah, we, we're obviously much smaller, mm -hmm. um, and so we've got sort of three hubs that we we like to host an event to get, yeah. bring people together. But it, yeah, I mean, if if you were to grow all, all across Europe, then it's going to start costing a considerable amount of money to, to host regular regular yeah. get together it's just like, it's just not doable is it like yeah, not talking about global teams then it becomes nigh on impossible without a without a blank checkbook but i think the um the nurture side of things is is really interesting and hopefully you'd i guess you guys are probably seeing this where your community almost sort of self-engages and self-polices itself mm -hmm. arguably because they're always engaged on a project or most of the time they're engaged mm -hmm. on a project so that's kind of their focus but if you do have that community team or those sort of ambassadors sitting within that community, then it kind of takes on a life of its own and almost kind of becomes, as you said, self-fulfilling and, and self-policing, right? Well, one of the things we're driving is what you might call self-regulation. Yep. Mm. So um, we are creating a review board that sits within our community. So the community members are then going to be reviewing individuals who come into our academy. So remember I talked about the community? Yep. The first step is academy. And yes, you can get brought, <coughs> excuse me, get brought onto a project from Academy, not a problem. Mm. But the ETs, the elastic team, that's kind of a step up. And the ETs are guys that we've deployed numerous occasions. They've gone absolutely solid. Yeah. You, reliability yeah. factor is there. Put them straight on. And as I said, the, the BT team, which is about 250, 260. Um, they're now becoming your review team as well. They're just continuous. Yeah, yeah. They, Roll on roll of projects. They they sit there and say, "Well, I don't need to go and have interviews with people. Yeah, I just go with projects with you guys. Yeah, it's a much easier life for." Um, just before we uh, run out of time, and if we can add any more value to any of our seven listeners, <laughs> what um what is the tech stack that you actually you've mentioned a few in uh, yeah. throughout the conversation? If anyone wanted to try and replicate a similar automated low touch, no touch. And the way I would approach it, and it's what we're now deploying, is, um, okay, let, let me quantify this. Um, there's lots and lots and lots of tools in TA. There, there are an abundance of them. We know there is, and it's great because as a function, we are starting to recognize, A, how do we be more efficient? Yeah. And B, how do we drive greater return on investment? For sure. C, how do we get a seat at the table? Yeah. yeah. How, do we, how do we get recognized? Because it's, we've always been seen as a cost. But what we're managing to now do is actually to understand actually the strategic value. Well, the level, of the, the, the potential of the individuals who sit in your company directly derives the success your company's going to have. Of course. It's that simple. So yeah. Companies are powered by people. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and don't you call that. But and the reality is, is that, I will put this, um, if you... If you're looking for to, to get that um, positive reaction from your business, mm -hmm. what you need to be doing is ensuring that what you're delivering to them through your technology has relevance to them. Yep. So there's lots of ATSs who say they're a CRM as well. I've got to be honest, I've not come across one that does both well. Well, yeah. You are an ATS or a CRM. 
um, there's lots of um, products out there that claim to be a CRM. That, that in my mind, they're not a CRM. What I look at as a CRM is, I think, Marketo HubSpot. HubSpot, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that not just what an ATS actually should do is maybe send a few emails and you can manage the cadence. Um, that's then, so what we're deploying and to get the kind of real um, kind of involvement for the business is actually to use HubSpot mm-hmm. for talent because we can sit there and go, okay, let's reduce the cost impact because we're going to spread it across commercial because they use it for their performance yep. marketing, customer acquisition. We can have differing customer journeys which are focused talent. Mm-hmm. So what we're actually doing is bringing on quite an expensive product but managing... But you're getting economies of scale for yeah. using it across the business. Interesting, yeah. And guaranteed that you're, as a board, they are going to and accept so that. Is HubSpot board. doing what Candidate ID did for you previously? It will do, yes. We haven't... We haven't you're, you're, yeah, okay, awesome. Well, I've never seen anyone using HubSpot for candidates. It's just nice to the tunnel. Yeah, you just... But yeah. it's the, what, you're, what you're talking about is the, the mindset of how you're viewing... A CRN, yep. In 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 the in using it with its functionality as an ATS, because in reality, all you're doing is replicating what well, in HubSpot when you're looking at customer acquisition, you identify decision makers within that company and you're approaching them. Mm. So actually, it is HubSpot is talent focused. Yeah, of course. All we're doing is swapping it from being individuals who make a decision to possibly devs, and you can build some really detailed workflows in, yeah. in HubSpot, can't you? Yes, really that's awesome. Well, there's a chip for everyone. Um, I mean, we, we're utilising it, we're going to utilise it for our delivery function because if they're holding events or they need to remind the team about it, yeah. they'll have a different customer journey. Yeah. We'll push those individuals into that journey so we're managing cadence of information flow, etc. Mm. So we've actually got to a point where we thought, okay, we can... Um, the board will accept this investment far more readily because we're being official with how we're using it, so we will drive a far greater ROI. There you go. Yeah. It's, Amazing. Hopefully it's going to work very well. Um, Sounds like it. But it, it should do. Um, but, I mean, I go back to it was, I mean, I, we did use Cancel ID, and for what we initially created, it was a fantastic tool. Yeah, it was. And I think um, for an enterprise-level organisation, as a TA leader, people need to start thinking, of, and I go back to longer-term relationship, not single snapshot in time. Because for years, talent, recruitment, whatever you want to call it, has been guilty of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as a closing tradition of the podcast, we always ask our previous guests to write a question for our future guests. Yep. This question was written by uh, the fantastic Virginia Torado. Um, and she asks, what's the one thing you wish you had learned earlier in your career that you want others to learn now? That's an interesting question. Um, because my career is quite long. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I would suggest that it goes back to my comments around, um, enabling TA not to have a seat at the table but to have more influence yes and I think it would be that for TA functions to understand their worth in the organization mm. and have a audience which readily accepts how important they are yeah because even now we see it that we have knee-jerk reactions we're obviously in a difficult market position at the moment mm. and we're seeing lots of TA individuals being put out to pasture yeah, yeah, because some organizations just look at them as recruiters and I don't need to recruit. So therefore, I don't need a recruiter as opposed to a talent acquisition business partner that understands the candidate market, you know, that understands the landscape, that understands what the talent out there is looking for right now so that they can help influence on engagement, on retention, attrition, all of these things can uh, like form within that talent acquisition space you're always going to get in a difficult market a streamlining for sure you're always going to get it but um i think the level of streamlining that gets focused into ta is quite extreme yeah it's not um yeah it's massively extreme and the problem that we get is we then get this two-year boom bust cycle with ta guys 
that you get a knee-jerk reaction, don't need to do it, get rid of them all, don't need anybody. Yeah. Suddenly, all oh, market's picking up, oh, right, let's hire them again. Um, and, it, and what it does is, I think, drive real talent that we have in our industry out of our industry. Yeah. Because they just get frustrated with how, how their power they are, how they sometimes can lack influence and sometimes how they treat it. Because if you consider talent acquisition, it is the amalgamation of a huge amount of skill sets. Yeah. There isn't any other role that I can think in kind of enterprise level organization or SME, et cetera, et cetera, that needs such a, a vast array of skill sets. Definitely. Yeah, Lewis, sure. Lewis Milford, one of our first guests, said something very similar in the skills of a talent acquisition professional. You have to be quite sales orientated. You have to be a influencer you have to be quite data heavy you have to be able to close you have to be quite entrepreneurial in your approach you have to be able to market stakeholder manage you have to market your brand represent your brand to your point i don't think there's any other no. any other teams or departments within the business that has that wide ranging skill set you're internal with stakeholders and yeah. hr business partners you're external with candidates you're seeing both sides of the market yeah it's uh it's a really interesting place that we sit I think also with that, um, it's sometimes why I get frustrated with the level of demeanor that sometimes yeah. recruitment is said, or what do you are a recruitment consultant. Um, but you don't get that in the US, though. No, you don't get that in the US. Yeah. But that's similar to sales in, in the US and the UK. Sales people are looked down on second hand car salesmen yeah. and that kind of thing. But, but I think. Um, I think we do have to take an element of responsibility for that, yeah. especially us, which kind of a bit more longer in the tooth, because if I go back to the heady days of the kind of mid to late 90s... Um, you having a whale of a time in recruitment. Yes. Greed is good. Yeah, 100%. And as a result, I think we are in some ways reaping what we have sown. Yeah, because the, the other generations are now suffering because yes. of that. Yeah. yeah, because, I mean, let's be honest, recruitment consultant, we didn't consult in any way. <laughs> <laughs> we always used to joke that I don't know, I don't know why they call us a consultant. <laughs> and some of the, uh, let's say, actions that we took were rather underhand. Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe. maybe. I mean, Y2K it's <laughs> only what we built it up huge <laughs> planes were to fall out of the sky it was all it was all over oh good times thank you so much uh james that yeah, it's been amazing that's gone quickly right yeah it's been a really interesting discussion yeah it has been fantastic um and who knew that our organizations had so many uh yeah yeah so similar. um but thanks for joining us um it's been an absolute pleasure um and uh catch you soon a very specific part of the strategy that is not about market share, but it's about it's about the profit share. Yeah. How do you do what you do really well in the markets that you're in? Yeah. And you don't over-extenuate yourself into just pushing it out further and further without actually getting it right in the way that you're already in. 